to the area round we go. Hello, everybody. Terry Bennett here on the Power Plus Mouth Guard Granny Bakery North Texas Regional Football Show. <laughs> it's a long name. As Matt Diggs and I are going to be talking about everything that happened in the Bay District. Also focusing, of course, on the area round this week. And we've got some great matchups here in the North Texas area. First, though, we want to thank our sponsors, including Power Plus Mouth Guard. You can find them online at powerplusmouthguard.com. If you have a kid that's playing any sport, I used to say contact sport, but to be honest with you, all sports are contact sports for the most part. But if you have a kid playing a sport or if you're a weekend warrior and you're still playing sports, check out Power Plus Mouth Guard. They are the future of Mouth Guard. And actually, really, they're just they're the now of Mouth Guards. They've been around long enough. They work great. They not only help protect you from concussions, they also help you perform better. And both of those are done simply by aligning your jaw. And when your jaw is aligned properly, the physiology of that jaw, it simply allows oxygen to get to your muscles, to your brain. It keeps you sharp, keeps you head on a swivel when you're playing a sport. Your muscles are getting their full uh, oxygen so they can exert their full energy. And again, it also keeps you safe. If you don't believe me, just go on their website, powerplusmouthguard.com. Look at the data and research. And this isn't them doing the data and research. Third parties have done the data and research. And they all say the same thing, that Power Plus Mouth Guard keeps you safe helps you perform better. So again, you can check them out online, powerplusmouthguard.com. Put in the code POWERUP2023 and you get 10% off your total. Also, I want to thank Granny's Bakeries located in Salina, 401 West Pecan Street. You can also give them a call, 469-352-8806. You can find them on Facebook as well. Just type in Granny's Bakery. Now, you go to their website. Of course, you're going to see all the delectables, the cakes, the breads, the coffee bar, the beer and wine, the cupcake factory. And, yes, I know I opine on about the cupcake factory every time because it is so awesome. The pastries, of course, they have it all there, but they also have knowledge. And Granny's Bakery wants to give their knowledge to you, and they do that by their classes. Now, they have public classes uh, just to give an example, like during Halloween, they had cookie de decorating, you know, and things like that. But you can also book a private class. Give them a call, 469-352-8806, and find out how you can get a group together to learn some cool new ways to do bakery stuff. Again, we do appreciate Fire Plus Mouthguard and Granny's Bakery for being a sponsor here on this North Texas show. All right, take a break when we come back. Professor Diggs joins me, and we're going to talk all things 4A, 3A, and 2A here in North Texas, right here on S2S Sports, part of L4 Media. Is your demanding work lifestyle in need of fire-resistant clothing that can keep up? Well, L4FR clothing should be your go-to for quality, affordability, safety, and style. L4FR was founded by a third-generation oil field worker who is also a veteran. Thus, this company has a deep appreciation for reliability and longevity, all while we provide first-rate customer service. Our durable apparel will serve you well for many years to come, whether you're working on a pipeline, a lineman climbing utility poles, or in any other environment requiring fire-resistant apparel. L4FR has you covered. Our apparel is tough enough to resist hazardous conditions while still providing high comfort and style. L4FR provides clothing options to ensure your safety and comfort, whether you're on the job or not. 
To view our complete inventory of flame-resistant garments, please visit our online store at l4frclothing.com or give us a call at 817-757-4935. Si habla espanol. Terry Bennett back here on the Power Plus Mouth Guard Granny's Bakery, North Texas Area Round Show. Right here on L4 Media, S2S Sports. Now joined... By the professor, Matt Diggs. Small town Diggsy is in full effect. As of Woo! course, <laughs> let's go. I think quietly you're becoming more of small town Diggsy than big town Diggsy. I, I don't know. It, it, it's back and forth. I, I will tell you uh, th- this past week on the uh, on the podcast I do, Digging for Wisdom, which is not not even trying to be a little uh, plug right there. But, like, we got to the point where he's like, Diggs, you want to talk about some, any of the small schools? And I was like, well, if we're not going to talk about it for an hour, I'm really not that <laughs> interested in it. But, you know, I wanted to really talk about uh, about Whitesboro because I thought Whitesboro meeting Jim Ned last week was one of the things I was most proud about. And, and yeah. I'm sitting here just talking and having this feeling come over me like, man, that's like my little kids over there, the District 4-3A report, and we got a big win this week, and I had all this pride for all the, all the Whitesboro players and coaches I know over there, so there, there is something about that connection with small town, because other than Plano East, I'm not feeling that for random big 5A. Like, I, I see Iowa Colony now in, in some 5A things. I don't even know where Iowa, Iowa Colony is at the end of the day, but all of these small schools, they have stories, they have fun to it, so there's definitely some to that, but uh, I, I like the big schools as far as the calibration and the big picture goes, but the small schools, the stories are there, and that's what I absolutely love about it. Yeah, and just so you know, as of now, Iowa Colony is still small school, even though they got 5A numbers and they're in Alvin. Um, and, and yeah, you know, and, and you know, that's why I, when, when I started doing these shows in 2002, when, when we first met online, and then I came on to y'all's shows for a couple of stuff. You know, I it's just more enjoyable at the small town. And to be honest with you, for a division one, sometimes is starting to feel bigger and bigger. And it's <coughs> excuse me. It's not I'm not saying it's not fun to cover. Or it's I don't want to cover it anymore, but it is it is at the very top end. Now, again, when seven, a comes, it'll change everything for a division one will probably go a little bit smaller again. But, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, Grant and I, we go. Uh, next week, Thanksgiving, we always do a big trip, and that's when we go see a couple big playoff teams. And when I go and get on the field, like last year, Duncanville, I think it was when they played the Woodlands, it was fun. It was a blast being on the sideline, but it just feels like you're at a, at a college football game at this point. Right. And, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just – it's not – I think Grant said it best. You, you go to the small town for the Friday Night Lights. You go to the big school for the college uh, talent. Not that there isn't college talent at all levels, but you know what I mean. Absolutely. But at the same time, you know, some of these smaller schools, they bring out more than the bigger schools. Yes. I mean, you know, if, if we have if we have a game next week, which I think you and I will project to happen, a Pleasant Grove Carthage game, that place is, you know, they may have to come to the Metroplex to have a stadium big enough to hold the anticipated crowd to want to see a game like that. So, you know, that's part of the thing I love about the small schools is that you get some big crowds because the whole town shuts down. And they come on out. Yeah, I, I I think I even said this last week, but I know I've told you before often on the air, when I moved from East Texas to Dallas uh, in 07 and was covering high school football in Dallas, I was so shocked at 
being at a game between two top 10 teams and the crowd being okay. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't like if it was Marshall and Longview and you've got, you know, people sitting on the hill trying to watch sitting on top of cars because they can't get in or Jefferson Dangerfield in the third round of the playoffs and Kilgore where the fences are literally getting leaned on or falling because people are leaning on the fence. There's so many people. So, yeah, even and, – and that's in Houston and San Antonio. And it's not just the – oh, yeah, it's the inner cities. No, I'm even talking about the suburbs. There are suburb teams, and I'm not talking South Lake Carroll because if you – be honest with you, South Lake Carroll still somehow is able to retain that small-town feel, at least the core group. But like Allen, Allen fan base is good when they're three rounds deep, but you go see them play on a random against a Richardson or something, it's maybe a 1,000 people. And even worse, like I, it's one of my ongoing jokes, the Plano West road crowd. I mean, you can't get 250 kids or you can't get 250 people out for a Plano West road game. It, it's one of the most deflating things. And this is West Plano. I mean, you talk about the suburbs, uh, but yeah. they're just a very transient crowd. They don't really care about watching football. Yeah, that's exactly right. So what we're going to do then, as we were talking small towns, Digsy, last few weeks we've been coming uh, at the top four and working our way down. We're going to flip that script. We're going to start 2A, Division Two, Region Two. And, and by the way, again, if you didn't listen last week, uh, yes, this is the North Texas show, but if a team in North Texas is in a region that has other teams, we're just talking the region, especially at this point, cause you've only got four games per region per division. So we're going to start region two and boy, you and I, I think partially believed it, but we also wanted it to happen. Celeste gets the quote unquote minor upset over Seymour last week. And congratulations, Celeste, your gift is Albany in the second round. <laughs> Great season, Celeste. It's going to end this week, though. <laughs> I, I, I hated that. Like, you know, one of my one of my things in playoff game selection, I love seeing Celeste. You know, if they were to play Thursday this past week, I would have made sure to go out of my way uh, to go see that. But I hate seeing blowouts in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, you know, there there's just such a disparity between the top, you know, teams that we're probably going to be seeing at AT and T and everybody else. It just gets ugly real quick, and they have to play at a high level because they're coached at the high level. So they're going to come out and explode on you. And unfortunately, I think that's what's going to happen to Celeste this week. Uh, they're going to play Albany. Albany is playing at that high level, and not only Celeste beat Seymour last week, they beat them up. Yes. They beat them up and down. It was a dominant victory. I, I think if they would have drawn Winthorpe. They probably would have beat Winthorpe the way they were playing that week, but Albany is probably going to win this game, probably in the 50 point range, unfortunately. Uh, you know, maybe the 64 to 14 kind of a game. Uh, I think Celeste will get a couple of touchdowns, maybe even the fourth quarter, but I think they'll get a little bit of window dressing. But man, Albany is really good. They are a team that you have to watch Denny Faith, man. He is, you know, I, I talk about he's got that, those kids at that high level. That's why it's going to be 64 to 14. That's not a knock on Celeste. They're nope. going to come out and lay down it's just that they're that good yeah and i think you know denny faith in albany was one of those programs that for 20 years just couldn't get through that couldn't break through couldn't break through and they finally did last year and now it feels like it albany might be playing at state or around the state level for the next few years even after adam hill leaves and stuff and their quarterback they have a lot of talent coming back under the you know not only them but the juniors and also the jv and all that so uh, it's going to be scary now let's talk the other one though wink 10 and 1 versus munster 7 and 4 i think this is going to be a quote unquote upset i've got munster munster pulling this win off 
Man, I'm going to agree with you because I I just look at that far west. Not it's not El Paso, but that you know that further west area, and it, I even see it in kind of three uh, A Division one with with Dalhart and, yes. and Bushland and Shallow Water. They they play the teams out there and they look good, but then they play the Metroplex teams uh, and it, they just kind of get hit in the face a little bit more. And Munster, even though they are seven and four, that's very schedule based. I mean, you know, Munster, uh, the fact that they played Paradise and Bell already let you know kind of you know we, we we've talked about it a lot in Pottsboro you know the whole we look across the other side of the field and you you, you know you, you're not the best team we've seen but you're looking across the other side of the field and we're the best team you've seen that very well could be the case here uh, at least you know top two or three with, with that Munster is not going to look across the field at wink and go oh this is this is the, you know even a top five team we've seen I think that's going to really help them I mean this is a team Munster that's already beat Winthorpe this year and you know, their, their last loss was to Collinsville. Give me Munster by 14 in this game. Yeah, and the thing, all of that you said is exactly dead on. And the thing that Munster does so well defensively is stop the run, and that is, that's what Wink hangs their hat on. They do it well, but like you said, when you look at who they've played, I mean, they lost to Alpine. I mean, and I know Alpine's in the second round, but that's also kind of a, huh, they're in the second round. Uh, but outside of that, their district, Wink was 10 and 1. The next best record was 6 and 4. After that, it was 5 and 6. I mean, they, they have not played a, 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 a path, like you said, with Munster playing the likes of Pottsboro, playing the likes of Bells, even Winthorpe, and, and then losing the Collinsville, and even Celeste. I mean, again, that's another team that's in the second round of the playoffs. So I, I'm glad you see it that way because I'm seeing a lot of pundits just see the record, and that's all they're thinking about. All right, Winthorpe 9-2 versus Roscoe 9-2. and two. Uh, This game is Abilene Moore Stadium, 7 p.m. on Thursday. I think this is a great second-round game. I, this is a one-possession game. I, I'll admit I'm hedging my bet and just going Winthorpe because of the recent playoff success Winthorpe have had over the last five years. You know, you kind of you, every every speech we just kind of gave about Wink. You know, I look at Roscoe and, and I look at who they've played this year and their two losses to New Home and Albany. You know, they've they've even though that the, the their district isn't the strongest district in the world, they've played a couple of good games. You know, obviously Albany is is, is going to beat everybody like that. Uh, so I think that's going to really help Roscoe in this game. Winthorst, I've seen them play across a spectrum of abilities this season where if they are at their best, they look really good, but they'll take a half off on you. You know, they, it, it sometimes it takes them a little bit, uh, a little bit of time to get in the game. If it, if it's that version of Winthorst, they're not going to win the game, but if they're going to come out and you know this is a team that's steeped in playoff tradition if they come out and kind of have that ancestral push as i call it where you know we, we expect to be here you know we're, we're a team that you know it, we'll go to state here on you i think winthorpe can win this game so it's going to come down to coaching for me can winthorpe's coaching staff get this team at that high level from snap one because i think at their best they are better than roscoe but again i've seen so many you know just even the game against seymour it's like they just fall asleep for a half and then they can finally figure it out and get it going. They can't do that in this game. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you that. And you talk about Roscoe. Yeah. That, that game against Albany got away from him, but go look at who Albany's, how bad Albany's beating everybody. It's them playing it within six points of new deal. New deal's the real deal. No, no joke intended there. And we've been talking about them on the two A show all year and the uh, Terry Ward out there and what he's done uh, and for them to hang with New Deal is impressive. I just also go back to when you look at Winthorst, 
They beat Henrietta. They lost to Munster by 10. They lost to Bremont in, in a game that ended up being 35-13, but it got away from them. But it was competitive. And, yeah, they kind of played with their food for a little bit with Seymour, but they ended up beating them 54-22. to uh, This is a great game. Like I said, whoever wins this game, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm just going to go – uh, with uh, Winthorst, and I don't even know if it's, I, I don't know what the pundits are saying, but uh, it's going to be a great game. Another game, and, and the last one in Region Two, I don't think it's going to be that great of a game. Collinsville ten and one versus Miles eight and three, seven p.m. Friday, Breckenridge's Buckaroo Stadium. Dude, Logan Jenkins and that offense is just absolutely humming. He had a quote unquote off night last week and threw for two hundred ninety eight yards and four touchdowns. I, you, you're just, it, I don't think anybody stops them till Albany. You know, that that's kind of the bracketology, the way this is working. I think Albany and Collinsville are both going to be heavy favorites up, up to when they play each other. And I think they will be playing each other in two weeks. I think Collinsville will have another good tune-up. But I, I don't look for Collinsville to – 28 points is kind of the point spread, I would think, with this because they're, they're starting to get at that high level. Because we're getting to this point, we've talked about it several times, they're now starting to think, we got to get ready for Albany. Yep. we got it. We have to be playing at this high level because Albany's going to put it on you. And, and you, if you're a kid and you're looking across the – and you're seeing those stat lines and you're seeing that, it's going to motivate you to give you your best 110% because you know it's going to take that when we walk across the field from Albany. So I think Collinsville is going to lean into that, and, and I'm looking forward to it. But, again, Albany is just too good. But I think they can give Albany a little bit of a game uh, and if they give their best effort and maybe get a turnover or two or maybe get a little bit of a cold weather, rainy weather situation. You never know what's going to happen in a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Last year when they played, it the score was 66-36, but – at that point, they had given Albany the big, the toughest game they had, and that's one of those games where the score looks a little worse than it really was. It was back and forth, back and forth, and it was Collinsville that had a couple turnovers in that third quarter, and that's what flipped that script. This is a this is a year older one, and, and I know Albany is too, but man, I, I don't know Logan Logan Jenkins. He can throw them into it to an upset over Albany, but it'll be tough. All right, let's now go to Class Two A. Division one will start in region two, our favorite team that we love to talk about. Toller 10 and one versus Cayuga seven and four Thursday. Waxahachie's Lumpkin stadium. I got to see some, uh, uh, highlights of that Toller game. Uh, our, our Taylor Lee from L4 media has been shooting a bunch of their stuff. Peyton Brown is back and holy crud. He looked good. Just bouncing off tackle after tackle after tackle. And, and he's still not in game shape. They, they, they limited his uh, carries mainly because they were also winning by a lot. Uh, but I'm telling you what, that just makes them, and they were already scary, but that just makes them scarier and scarier. They are scary. And I, and I think probably one of the things that I, I posted about in the dump last week, and it got, I, I even got a few DMS about this and, and people didn't understand it. And it's kind of a storyline we've been talking about when Italy beat Crawford last week, yep. I, I said, I think Toller's got to be disappointed. You yep. know, that's got to take a little bit, even though, you know, at the end of the day, it, it is what it is. And you got to get there. There's just something redemptive about needing to get past that Crawford. Even if you beat the team that beat the team, uh, or even and if you have to go to, if Dalion beats Italy this week, uh, you know, if you beat the team that beat the team that beat the team, ultimately I know Toller really wanted to take care of that. And they not getting to do that. I feel like it's a little bit of a disappointment, especially because region two, they're five touchdowns better than everybody in this region right now. Uh, you know, so having that storyline where they can say, okay, you know, we, we beat Crawford. That's something we get to look forward to. I think that is going to be a little bit deflating and a little bit disappointing for them. I, I hate to, you know, 
but when we have some of these really good teams, it just is what it is. And, and Toller's pretty much got a, a pretty clear route to the state semifinals uh, as, as far as that, that they're just so much bigger and better than everybody in this uh, region. Uh, they're going to handle Cayuga uh, pretty handily. The game I'm most interested in region two is Valley Mills versus Tioga yeah. uh, because I love what Tioga, Coach Birdwell, what, what he has brought to that program. Not to say Coach Rogers didn't do a, a great job kind of building up that program, uh, but what now you got Birdwell coming in there with his enthusiasm, and you got Valley Mills who pulled, to, to me, a little bit of an upset last week, even though I called it to happen. But uh, Valley Mills playing in that tough district, I think, kind of uh, readied them for that game. You know, Axtell, eh, you know, we, we talk about some of the paper Tigers. Uh, that's a fun game, and that's going to be a coin flip game for me. I mean, because I see Tioga playing their best football right now. I see Valley Mills playing their best football at right now. I kind of lean to, to, to Tioga pulling another upset. Yeah, you look at them, and, and, you know, this is their eighth playoff appearance in the history of the program. Three years ago, they were celebrating a, 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 a five and six year because the three years before that, they'd had like five wins. Or no, sorry, five wins in, in five years. That's how bad they were. And what the two coaches, and a lot of times when it comes to building a program, one coach, but a lot of times there's that coach before them that kind of started laying that foundation. Birdwell's come in, and he's just absolutely taken off with that. Also, I just think they have one of the coolest looks. The the, the way they use the black and the green, uh, it, traditionally uh, it, a lot of schools wouldn't do it this way. I just think it's a cool look, and I agree with you. I, I have them winning. I don't know if it's that much of an upset. I think these teams are pretty even. But, but yeah, I, I have the Bulldogs pulling that one off as well. All right. Uh, here's the – I think the best overall game of the region is Marlin 92 versus Coleman 92. Thursday at uh, Stephenville's Tarleton Memorial Stadium. Uh, the Blue Cats haven't looked completely like they – did the last couple of years all year long, and yet they're still 9-2. Marlin looks like they're finally getting back to being a consistent playoff team. And all of a sudden, I, I kind of feel like it's a Marlin-Toler region final right now. It might be. And, and again, given how I saw that game last year, I've almost been completely disrespected Marlin since I saw Marlin uh, you know, not be able to have any sort of competitive football uh, against uh, Toller last yeah. year. And, and you talk about Coleman, and I am just – I get very flustered because of the up-and-down nature of them. I mean, playing around with Goldthwaite, playing around with San Saba, playing around with Hamilton – yeah, the last couple of weeks they've you know kind of turned it on a little bit, but it makes you wonder: can they stay at that high level? If they can, I think they can beat Marlin. Because again, I, and it, it's the the worst problem, and I'm admitting my biases right now. I cannot get past the fact that they were so non-competitive with Toller last year. I mean, we're talking about a team that That's was fair. lost by sixty or so. It was it was bad, and I and I expect uh, if Coleman plays at their best, I'm going to take Coleman over Marlin because I just can't imagine Marlin has got that much better. I think we've got. To, I think Coleman might have finally figured it out. I'm going to take Coleman in this game, I, I, which you might call an upset. I would say though, let's remember that this year Coleman also played play Toller, and it was 43 to nothing. So recency, Coleman hasn't played Toller as well either. Last year they played Toller really well. That was like a 17-7. I think it was a weird score, like 16-6. But this year. Toller dominate them, but no, you you make a really good point about that. You, a lot of times, you know, we, we don't get to see all the the teams that we talk about. We rely on some highlights, and highlights are sometimes the worst way to see a team because you're only seeing the, the positive. 
Um, but a lot of it's stats and coaches, what they tell us. And so the last thing you see in your mind, a lot of times sticks there, whether it's fair or not. They lost to Grosbeck 48 to eight yep. this year. They barely beat Crawford 33 to 30 Valley mills, 28, 21 Marlin does not have an impressive resume. That makes you think they've gotten better from last year. I, I'm not disagreeing. I just, I, I actually, the reason I'm picking Marlin is I think it's more of Coleman has regressed to their level as much as Marlin has climbed up to, to their level, if that makes sense. Fair enough. All right. Let's uh, also do that. Oh, daily on seven and four versus Italy six and five. I've got Italy. I, I just, I, I know Crawford was down this year. I, I get that, but for Italy to beat them, I still think that's more impressive than anything daily on's done all year long. And, and why can't Celeste get in this? I mean, if, if they had this bracket, we'd probably be picking Celeste to get to the third round. Oh, so God, they get yeah. Albany over there across in, in Division Two and the smaller school kind of a thing. The fact that this game is a second-round game, I mean, it kind of shows the, the relative weakness, which is my point that I think Toller is just going to run through yeah. this region with beating everybody by five touchdowns. I'll take Italy as well, but, man, it's not going to look pretty next week. I mean, that, that could be a 60-point spread next week with Italy and Toller. No, I, I do not disagree with you there. All right, let's go to 3A, uh, Division Two, Region Two. It, it literally played out like we thought we w- it would. Uh, we'll start at the bottom just simply because this will take the quickest. Gunner 11-0 versus Wichita Falls, City View 7-4, 7, 7 p.m. Thursday at Denton Collins Stadium. You know, I, I was we did a Millsap show here, and I was really rooting for him, but it just was a bad matchup. Wichita City View is more athletic than them. In saying that, Gunter is 17 times more athletic than Wichita City View. This game won't be close. Gunter will roll. Yeah, I completely agree. And it, it, again, we talked like we talked about Toller just being the, the top of the class there. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just the Gunner show. But at least we have some interesting storylines uh, as we go upstream on the bracket because I think two of the three games are definitely uh, conversation worthy. Oh no, I I totally agree. And the next one is one of them because you're going to look at the record. And, and as I said this on the show yesterday with Grant. A lot of people who are just cursory football fans are going to just kind of make their picks and go, oh, Scurry Rosser's undefeated, Comanche 7-4. Give me Scurry Rosser. No, give me Comanche, and I don't even know if it'll be close. I agree. Scurry Rosser has played such a weak schedule at times, and, and we get and we talk about Paper Tigers and Axtell and uh, some of the other teams that finally ran into uh, some really good competition last week and struggled. Uh, beating Henrietta in a tough game is just making this team better every single week. I don't think Scurry Rosser is going to be able to play with them. I don't know if it's going to get a big blowout kind of a thing, but I think at least by two scores. Yeah, and and Comanche, you know, again. You got to realize, first off, who they lost to, uh, Toller, Albany, Millsap, and Jacksboro in that four-game stretch. And that Millsap game was a huge upset. Uh, but the other three teams are all playing. And as we've talked repeatedly about Toller and Albany, they're they're going to continue playing for a while. We'll get to Jacksboro here in a minute. But the big thing for me is Comanche's gotten healthy again. They're as healthy yeah. as they've been all year long. And I just – I, I actually, I don't think they're going to give Gunner a, a, ma- a, a true game, but I think they could at least play for a quarter against Gunner if they're as healthy as they have, you know, this week as they are, or, or, or next week as they have been this week. All right, let's go to Holiday 10 and 1 versus Leonard 6 and 5, 7 p.m. Friday, Kangaroo Stadium in Weatherford. Uh, good season for Leonard. This was supposed to be a down year for them to get to the second round. I'm impressed. This won't be close. Holiday will defensively dominate them and, and probably score 40 on them. 
Leonard won their Super Bowl last week. Yes. So I might have called it an upset. I, I think that at this point they're happy to be here. Holiday is thinking how we're going to beat Gunter. It's going on. Uh, Goodbye, Leonard. Uh, our, our, our 69 cousins. Sounds bad, but U.S. 69, Leonard and Celeste right next to each other. I think are both going to be eliminated this week. All right, and then the very interesting game that, in my mind, I can see it going every which way possible. Jacksboro 11-0, Bells 9-1, Denton Collins Stadium, Friday, 7 p.m. I know Bells is not as good as they were the last couple years without the Baker brothers. But they still have a really big offensive line. They still run that slot to perfection. And I think they've played a tougher schedule. But you've got to give Jacksboro credit. They haven't played a, 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 a very, very tough schedule. But they haven't played a weak, weak schedule like a Scurry Rosser. And here they are unbeaten. I, I can see this game going all types of ways. Can you explain to me, because probably one of the most amazingly the, the the score I look at, even though it was a win was this game against Mildred only being yep. Mildred 22 to 11. Do you have any insight from your people about why that game was that close? Because I, that is now messing with my mind. Cause otherwise I would have said that because I think Jasper is a little bit overrated. Uh, I, I would have said bells. This is where bells is going to roll until I see the fact that they only beat Mildred by 11. I, I will only go with what I well first off you got to remember uh, let me see what day was that game play was that a Thursday game yeah you got to remember that was a, that's a weather game now you could say well that should help bells because they're a slot T but when you're a slot T and it's really really bad rain you tend to put the ball on the ground and also and, and you know this too first round you're going to get the blowouts but you're also going to get those games where the the the, the underdog just swings for the fence, man. They, they make adjustments that they haven't done all year long. They, they might come out and do a few things offensively that they've never even tried before. And they hang around and they start to believe. And then again, also with bells in that slot T, if you're able to get them off the field, they can sometimes they, they have to kind of slog through it. And, I, and I'm going to write now for now, chalk that up to just being one of those first round eh, kind of weird games. But, yeah, I do think that that's something to hold on to. And, and I agree. I, I don't think Jacksboro is highly rated, I, I, but I do think there is something to them going unbeaten. You know, th th this is a, a program that over the years have kind of been just, a, you know, eight and four, seven and four, seven and five. You know, they'll win a couple of playoffs every once in a while and stuff. Uh, but for them to go 11 and fo 11 and oh, and they beat Cisco who's still in the playoffs. They beat Peaster who we was a goal line drive away from being, you know, being in the second round, they beat Comanche. They beat Henrietta. I mean, they, they, they've not beat amazing teams, but they've beat solid teams and they beat a good Callisburg team last week as well. I, in fact, I kind of was looking for that. Even though I picked Jacksboro, I kind of kept thinking, Hey, I think Callisburg might pull that upset off. Uh, Jacksboro won, but in saying that, I just still think Bells' offense is just going to just kind of grind Jacksboro down. I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at the stats from that game against Mildred right now, and, uh, you know, basically they, they, they ran the – Mildred had ball control with the passing game. Austin yeah. Wing, their quarterback, 24-43 for 303 yards and just a lot of dink and dunks and, you know, 8 to 10 yards kind of there. And if Jacksboro can replicate that, I think they will they will win the game. But if, if Bells can overcome whatever mistakes because they basically got – they had – 
the spread offense give them the wing T treatment by keeping the ball out of their hands because they couldn't handle any of those bubble screens or the little short passes. So if Jacksboro can replicate that, and that's kind of been their style this year, I think they can do something against bells. But I think if bells can write the ship and kind of start playing downhill and it's going to be good weather this week. Uh, so we're not going to have to worry about that. Easton Helgren is uh, a guy who can go 20, 25 yards a run on you and just, you know, death by paper cuts. I, I, I man, I, I keep talking in circles because this is just a game. I truly don't know yeah. who, what is going to happen, but bells, I, I'm going to say bells is going to have the bounce back effort just because I've been watching Jack Sparrow and their stats this year and kind of keeping an eye over there on that district because of Millsap and, and, and Comanche. And, and I, I just, do, I'm not a believer in Jack Sparrow. So I think bells will take care of business bells having played the tougher schedule. I like bells, but I, I see the pathway for Jack Sparrow to win this game because the, the diamond has lost its shine for me last week against Mildred. I, I still think at the end of the day, the hierarchy of this region is Gunter, Holiday, and Bells. I still think Holiday will beat Bells, and then Gunter will beat uh, uh, Holiday. But I I do agree with you. This is one of those games I will not be – the only surprise I will be is if Jacksboro blows out Bells. I think Bells could possibly blow out Jacksboro, blow out by by three touchdowns. That's kind of the line in the second round where I start saying that's a blowout. Um, But any other result, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, And again, I mean, there's always a couple of those every every round where there's going to be somebody that's going to win that you just go, wow, really didn't see that one coming. All right, let's go to our favorite. That's Region 1, Class 3A, Division 1. A little bit of a down week. Um, You got, I think the most interesting game is Clyde 10-1 versus Shallow Water 6-5. Yeah, and, and I took shallow water in this game just too. because Clyde is not the, the 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 record deceives you with Clyde. That district was down, and the, the playoffs showed it. The fact that they were, we were you said a goal line stand away from being swept out of the playoffs. I think shallow water takes care of business against Clyde this week. Yeah, I, and you know I just I was a hundred percent. I can remember talking. We have a Discord for all the L four media stuff, and we just kind of talk through the week about things. And I can remember after they beat Jim Ned. And one of our guys was like, man, Clyde's now become kind of the, the division one region one darling. And they were at the moment. And I said, yeah, but you know, they, they've got to go unscathed through this, this rest of their season before I trust them. Not two weeks later, they get upset by Iowa park and, and look, Iowa park. Hey, great for them. They got snuck into the playoffs legitimately with that upset, but Iowa park's not a good team right now. I mean, you saw that last week when Brock had no, problem beating them 59 to nothing and once they lost iowa park i said yeah they're they're paper tigers shallow water they're on the exact opposite end they have a a six and five record now but i would put that they have played a far tougher schedule than anything clyde has played when you look at they lost to monahans who's still playing they lost to seminole who's still playing they lost to herford who had a just complete turnaround season with a bunch of young guys this year ended up losing last week, but I mean, they went from one and nine to ended up being six and four, but they were supposed to be one and nine again. They lost to Dalhart who's still playing and they lost to Bushland and we know how great Bushland is. Any one of those teams, maybe Dalhart would be close to Clyde, but Bushland would beat Clyde by four touchdowns. Herford would beat Clyde by four touchdowns. All the others would beat them pretty bad. That just, this, this is that classic. Don't trust the record game. Absolutely. But 
the rest of the games in this region, I, I think, could be uh, non-competitive. And, and one thing I lamented about, maybe you have some insight on, on this, uh, because I, I don't know, there are never been more weird times across a region than what you have in this region right now. It's not even Black Friday week. We have six, five o'clock starts, six o'clock Oh, yeah, starts. you're right. That's, I, you, it's so funny. I hadn't even noticed that till last night when Grant, we, we were we were joking about Clyde and Shallow Water. And we're like, why is it four? And I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe they just want to get home early. But now I know with Brock, that was part of it. Talking with Billy, uh, you know, last year they played Mule Shoe in the second round, and they played it in Sweetwater. And Mathis is a really good dude, and him and the meal shoot coach have a good relationship. So he was like, "Look, I'm not going to make you go back to shallow water. I understand, or uh, to uh, Sweetwater. To understand, we beat you there, and you know how coaches are with that kind of stuff." And he said, "So when they started talking San Angelo, he was like, okay, the only thing is, I want this to be as early as can because you know both sides have almost 200 mile trips back.'" And so maybe it's just simply that this is this is and we all know that with region one, but especially in D one, if certain games happen the way they did, you've got some of the biggest distances you're going to see in the second round. And then the fact that you have the Saturday game on the other side of the bracket, yeah. you have a two day difference between uh, Clyde and shallow water and Brock and mule shoe. I just, I've never seen that sort of disparity in times because somebody's going to have a short practice week. And you, one thing you do not want, whoever wins the game between Clyde and shallow water, you do not want a short practice week against Brock. No, but I, I what happens is Thanksgiving. And so you're, you're not going to get, and unless you can talk people into doing Thanksgiving games, which I wish more would do, you're going to have to play Friday and Saturday anyway. So especially because none of the five A's and six A's are going to play on Thursday. So now, you know, that, that this is the one you're going to start seeing the lineup for state where you start trying to be seven days out starting after next week. You're going to see that with week four, week four, week five. You're going to try to have all like if you play state on a Thursday, you're going to have your game on a Thursday, week four and five. But because of Thanksgiving, you can't do that next week. And so I think that that's you just had to bite the bullet. And let's be honest, the NFL, I know they're more, you know, they're more physical, more mature, but because they're more mature and because they hit harder and everything else, it's harder for them to you know, play on a Sunday and come back on a Thursday high school level. Yeah. It's a little tough, but I also think your kids can bounce back way quicker. And I do, I do think coaches overrate that seven days to the next game. If, if it's four days, yeah, I get it. But if it's six days, eh, I mean, you're, you're not really missing that out, but it is a good point though, that we're going to get the first games on Thursday and be done by 8 PM. And then the last game won't be done till about 7 PM on Saturday as well. I am glad you agree though. I, 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 some people I know have tried to make Whitesboro like the, the chic, Oh, they could, no, they can't. You're going to beat Bushland. If you can run like paradise, or if you can run like Brock, you're not going to beat Bushland. If you run an offense like Whitesboro. I agree with that, but Bushland, you know, and digging into the stats, I think Bushland last year was better than Bushland this year. Just even though the, just looking at the stats and the fact that their quarterback is not running the ball right now for whatever reason by design, uh, I, th- I think he was much more effective in that role last year. Uh, now they've got some good running backs and they've got some good talent, but I, it, it's like you know, I, I think of the Brock quarterback, the fact that you know he can throw for 300 yards and he can run for 300 yards in any given day. How that just gives you like almost a 12 on 11 advantage. 
I'm, I think Bushland's end of the road next week is against Paradise. And one thing I was fascinated by, and it kind of got to your point about you're talking about Comanche and their injuries. And I wanted to make the point then, but I was like, yeah, we'll talk about it with Paradise. I was reading uh, Corey Hoag's write up about the uh, Vernon versus Paradise game. And one of the things that the Paradise coach was talking about how they're finally getting Austin Iglesias to play both ways right now. Yeah. Like now, now you're starting to do that. And you talk about injuries and death. When you can start to get to the point where your best players are now two positions effectively it makes you that much better and you you slate an athlete like austin iglesias on both sides of the ball as a full-time player if he can if he can handle that kind of a thing you've just gotten way better on both sides of the ball not that paradise needed to improve on the defensive side of the ball because they were playing really high level but now if he's back there at free safety uh, just playing center field and with his athleticism man that makes paradise an even harder dimension if they're going to have that for three-fourths of the game i do want to point out i think bushland this year has been in that mode of let's get our win and move on and maybe let's not try to run Jacko as much early and you don't want to get him hurt and stuff like that. So I, I, I don't know if they're, I think they're as good. I think they might, might even slightly be better this year. I think they're better defensively. They're not great defensively still. They still are going to struggle against the run. That's why I'm like you. I think next week, if, if, if it is them in paradise, I think it'll be a great game. Um, but I, I, I would right now give paradise a slight favorite. But, yeah, I, I think I, I think Bushland's been sleeping and going through the steps a lot this year just to make sure that they're healthy. And, and you'll see teams do that. But, I mean, let's be honest, if, 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 if and it should happen, that's one of the, the great games of week three next week is paradise and Bushland because Brock and shallow water or Brock and Clyde is still going to be Brock by three or four touchdowns. It's crazy how as up and down and wild as this region has been, and, oh, my God, it's still coming down to Bushland, Paradise, and Brock, who we all thought it was going to come down to at the end of the day. Why can't we call Whites for a little chic team? I mean, I, I think it's going to be more. What what line are you setting? And I'm going to take an over-under. Give me your bushland Whites for a line. I, I think Bushland wins probably 45 to 21. Yeah, I'll, I'll take. I think they'll be more competitive than that. I, I, again, I'm not saying this is an upset pick. Yeah, but yeah. I think Whitesboro has is not going to just get go in there and get rolled over. I mean, Whitesboro has those intangibles. I mean, they've been the regional finalists two straight years. There's a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think when they hear talk like this, like we're just kind of writing them off to lose this game, just like we kind of wrote them off to lose Jim Ned, even though we thought it would be competitive. Uh, and and they ended up winning that game with a very timely two point conversion, which messed up the metrics and that was the key for them winning that game so i think whitesboro is going to find something to make this a bit of a closer game because that coaching staff is an incredible coaching staff who is used to being here going this deep and i I just don't think that bushland is going to come over here and roll them out now is it going to be like last year if they come out like if they start the way they started against brock that's going to be the, the big difference but if Whitesboro, the longer whitesboro hangs around in this game i mean bushland's got to put their foot on their throat but will they have the ptsd of last year getting yeah. up big good on point. brock and well can, can you hold on to it yeah no, that's a good point and, and i will say this my the, the most average score i probably give out through the year is 42 21 that doesn't mean that it's necessarily an arse whooping 42 21 can be a really close game until late. And that's kind of how I see this game going. I, I think you're going to see these two teams be able to, to score on each other early. And I, but at the end of the day, 
you know, we, we talk about what Whitesboro has done, and I think it's been a nice season for them. But let, let's look at who has on the field, not who has the most playoff experience as a jersey, but who has played the longest. And Bushland is stacked full of guys who have played longer the last two years because all of Whitesboro's playoff experience graduated last year or, you know, graduated into the, the year. And, and, and that's a valid point. And, you know, but Whitesboro as a program, as a coaching staff, they have played, they've had 28 games yes. the last two years. And, and I, I get it that they've graduated a lot and Bushland is bringing just about everybody back. Uh, but still a lot of these kids were practicing in, in those eight, eight games, even though they weren't necessarily playing because once you get to this round, you get to bring everybody up. And that is one of the reasons why you see all of these teams that have that playoff experience. They kind of cycle over a little bit more because there's that ex community yeah. expectation of what it feels like to be practicing on Thanksgiving and even if they're not playing on Thanksgiving. Yeah. That, that's a really good point right there. All right. Let's move on now to class four, a division two. This region I mean, it, it's fun to talk when you, when we're looking region two, by the way, when we're looking at Pleasant Grove and Carthage and Gilmer and van, and then maybe Gilmer and, uh, Pleasant Grove or Carthage or Van in Pleasant Grove or Carthage. The problem is, is technically those aren't the teams in North Texas. And unfortunately, the only reason we're going to talk region two after this week is just because we enjoy talking region two for a division two, because I don't see any of the North Texas teams even being within shouting distance of any of these games. You know, it, it's funny because, and we talked about this last week, and it's exactly played out the way I thought it would, mm -hmm. that the computer polls are going to be heavy on Aubrey and Sunnyvale just because of the fact that they kind of ran through their districts and the recency bias of who you've played recently. Uh, but for me, Van and Gilmer are way bigger uh, favorites than what the, oh, yeah. the computer polls are stating. Uh, Aubrey's a six-point favorite, and Gilmer is a five-point favorite in those these games. And I'm thinking to myself, these are not, are, are these going to be really competitive games at this point, you know, that we're, we're, we're talking about coin flip games, the way the computer polls are talking, but I don't think that they're going to be coin flip games at all. I think Gilmer wins by three or four scores. I think van will win that. It could be one of those two score games where Aubrey sticks around and gets in and, and keeps it close. And then van finally pulls away late. Uh, but I think van and Gilmer are both favorites in this game. And obviously pleasant Grove and Carthage are both favorites in their game It is going to be a beautiful East Texas thing. And I think, and I know it's going to make you a little bit mad, but we've had, we've had these debates before. I'm thinking reasonable van is not too far East. I mean, it's right there. on 20. No, 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 no. I've, I have mm -hmm. no problem with that. And I also think that uh, you and I can also, we can make that decision next week that if uh, Graham, which that's going to be a good game, Graham and Canyon West and Glen Rose advance, we can, we can carry them as North Texas and we can start talking region one next week. We can, but I, I want to roll through that because you completely ignored something. I just got to correct course, correct you a little bit. We got to talk three, a division or three, a division one region two. I mean, I'm going to a game in three, a region one division two or region two. I'm going to grand, grand view Pottsboro on Thursday, which is, oh, yeah, that's, I told, you that's, that's my bad. I, that's just, I actually yeah. just, didn't mean to Ignore skip over them. that because Malakoff, you know, th th I'm not, I'm from East Texas, but I'm not one of those that like to claim Malakoff. I still don't understand how people claim Malakoff as East Texas, but yeah, I, I, honestly, I just totally forgot. And there's some really good games in there. You got Tatum and Whitney. Uh, that That's a matchup again. The, the records might not tell the whole story. I think Whitney's a better team, but Tatum has one of the most, 
one of those guys that at Cole Watson that just does everything. You talk about Austin Iglesias at Paradise. Well, Cole Watson does it times two at Tatum because he's been playing defense all year and he plays quarterback. And he's that type of guy that if you don't stop him early in, in that offense that, that Tatum runs where they're going to grind you down, they can upset Whitney. Uh, I, 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 in fact, I mean, I, I, I kind of – I think I did pick that in the game. I, I, it's a 50-50 game. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's an interesting – I think Winsboro-Teague's an interesting game. Teague can play defense at times, but Winsboro's just so damn good this year with Finney at quarterback and their wide receivers and a very underrated offensive line. It's just big and their defense is they're, they're not dominating, but they play complimentary football with their offense. And, and so that's the top half. Let's talk Grandview Pottsboro. What, what are your thoughts on this game? And I, I was way, and, and you called me out on it and you ended up being right. And I hate admitting that I'm, I'm, I'm starting <laughs> to do a little hive breakout right there because I, I picked Pottsboro over Winsboro from day one. And even when it was straight up time for Pottsboro and Winsboro, I didn't learn my lesson. And then they have the disappointment, not only, you know, going to two in that district, but then going to three in that district after losing the, to Mount Vernon. And, and I, I get some of the early preseason, uh, games against Whitesboro and, and whatnot. A lot of the luster against the teams they had played had also lost their luster. Uh, I think Grandview is going to be a big favorite in this game. Pottsboro just doesn't seem like they're playing at a high level. I have to think they've had a few injuries to kind of erode that offensive and defensive line depth, which is, is causing some of these score disparities. I think Grandview has that right now. Uh, they're playing great complimentary football on both sides. I think Grandview is, is it's, it's not a blowout favorite. I think we're going to go back and forth. I think a 42 28 kind of a game uh, that goes back and forth till the fourth quarter where Grandview finally breaks serve and, and takes hold and, and dominates it in the fourth. Yeah. And, and for me, the biggest issue for Pottsboro all year, and it works at certain to a certain level is that they've had to rely so much on major McBride and, and he's, they started out so good last week against Jefferson and Jefferson pulled back into that game and almost pulled it off. Uh, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, when you're playing a Grandview, you can't beat them with one guy, even if it is somebody as good as Major McBride. And, and you know, I know Malakoff destroyed Grandview in their annual non-district matchup, but people have got to not look at that and think that Grandview, you know, is, is any lesser because that that's just how good Malakoff is this year. And, and, and we made that mistake, or at least I made that mistake last year. I, you we talked about playing and then playing the rematch in, in district. And even, even if it's a blowout, Alvarado and Kennedale, yeah. you know, that's a game where consistently Alvarado is dominating the first game, but the second game either flips or is much closer. And for a half, it was looking like Kennedale might flip it last year, uh, last week, uh, but Alvarado pu- pulled it on in the second half. And all that to say that Grandview Malakoff is going to be a brand new game when they play. So you definitely cannot look at the, score margin because both teams have gotten better, but Grandview had a higher ceiling to get better. Whereas Malakoff was just playing at a high level from day one. Yeah, I agree. And in the other game, Malakoff versus Mount Vernon. Hey, congratulations to Mount Vernon. I, I've said this on the three, a show. I, I didn't necessarily, I didn't understand the coach that they hired. Nothing against him. It was just that when they had art brows and art brows left, they, they took from the art brows tree. And then when he left, I figured, okay, there's gotta be somebody on, on staff that you're going to just keep doing that. Cause that's been working for you. That's literally put y'all on the, uh, you know, on the map in football again. And they went with Clayton George and he's not one of those. And I think they've had a pretty good year at eight and three, a lot of new guys. They're going to be a team next year that I'm looking to kind of maybe be back up uh, in this region as a threat. 
But the problem is, it's just Malakoff this year. It's just, I mean, I'm, you know, we keep talking Brock and we keep talking Paradise and Columbus and Franklin and Lorena. Malakoff right now is one of the teams that I would not want to want to play right now. Period. End of the discussion. I, I don't know if anybody can beat them at this moment. One of the ongoing jokes is that realignment is what creates a lot of uh, job turnovers because you see what you're yep. about to have to deal with for the next two years. And, and, and you're like, nope, Mount Vernon is one of those teams. If, you know, Depending on how far east they have to go or if they're more Metroplex-based, that can determine it. And they actually kind of want to go more Metroplex-based. Yes. They don't want to keep going out further east because it was a very odd alignment this time. And I think realignment's going to shake this area up quite a bit. So it'll be fascinating to see uh, where Mount Vernon falls and all of that since they're such a kind of a tweener team right there. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. And, and you know, and, and, my, and Malakoff's also the same thing. Uh, and, and there's going to be some shakeup because teams are finally leaving in that area, dropping up and coming up. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they're going to end up and then, you know, what, how they, you know, I, I still think there's going to be a day where them and Gra uh, Grandview just end up in the same district. It just feels like eventually it's going to happen. All right, let's go to Class 4A Division One. Uh, let's start. You know what? Screw it. Decatur. They've got Andrews, Region 1, 7 and 4. Uh, Andrews, 6 and 5. Thursday, Abilene Shotwell Stadium. I, th this is one of those games I know how good Decatur is. I know how good they are. I know their record does not talk about how good they are. And I'm not saying Andrews has beaten them, but Andrews on the year has like 5,000 yards rushing. And I don't even mean that as a, like, you know, exaggerating. They literally, I read the stat, it was like 5,100 yards rushing. Decatur at times has struggled against really good run games. I don't think Andrews will beat them, but I do think this is one of those games you might want to keep watching the score. I think it's going to be closer than what people think. Playoff Decatur is a different animal You're than regular right. season Decatur with, with their coach coming over from College Station, getting them at that high level. I think Decatur is going to take care of business. I do think it will be the blowout that some of the pundits think they do. Give me Decatur by four scores. All right. Uh, Wichita Falls, Hershey. Uh, I'm sorry. That's the uh, Division One <laughs> or Division Two. Uh, where did I go? Oh, here we go. You got <laughs> Canyon and Lovett yes, Estacado coming up. And now this is another one that the records tell say it should be a good game, but Lubbock Estacado has spit the bit against good opponents. But then Canyon got upset by uh, Dumas. Just that's one of those of of all the scores in the in two, three A and four A through the district season. That's one of those what the hell games. I still think the Eagles will end up winning this one. I agree. And this region almost reminds me of the three, a division one, because you, we got Bushland and paradise. That I think is going to be yeah. a really good third round game. Whereas, you know, Brock is probably going to have an easy run to the fourth round here. You got Brownwood and Springtown potentially is that really good third round game. But I think the cater is just going to be coasting through uh, to the, to the fourth round of the playoff. Uh, I don't think it matters who wins this game at the end of the day. I'm going to take Lubbock Estacado because the cater is going to be a big favorite in that game as well. But the top half of the bracket is, what I'm really fascinated with, with uh, Brownwood and Springtown, both probably big favorites this week playing each other, because like you talked about last week, Springtown has gotten better, you know, coming into it. I, I was like Decatur Brownwood, just go ahead and book it. Yep. Go ahead and fast forward to that fourth round. Springtown has now given me reasonable doubt to that narrative. Well, and I still, I love, I call it Brownwood. He is one of the most explosive quarterbacks. He's fun to watch, but I watched the Stephenville defense eliminate him and Brownwood had nobody else that could step up. 
And, and Grant's more optimistic than I am. He, he kept saying, after they, oh, they'll find somebody. You know, once it gets to the playoffs, they'll find somebody. And I'm thinking, yeah, but once you get to the playoffs, you can't do that. Again, it goes back to the Pottsboro thing we just talked about. We're, this isn't the 80s. Uh, you, you can't take one guy in 4A Division One and, and win a region. And it's really hard to take one guy and go to even to the region finals. And Springtown is the exact opposite of that. They don't have one guy. Their quarterback's really, really good, and they've got a solid running game. They've got a solid offensive line. Their defense is solid. Everything is solid about them. When it comes to everything is solid versus a team that has some good things, but it's mainly relying on one third round of the playoffs, usually the solid team's the one that ends up winning those. I can't disagree with you. And, and it just talks about the depth and the way football has evolved. And, and, and you've given multiple examples throughout our, our shows and doing that, you got to have that second player. And that's one of the reasons why I think paradise has gotten a little bit better because yes. although Austin Iglesias is the big name, everybody's talked about. They do have a lot of complimentary players who are able to generate big yards. Uh, and again, if Austin Iglesias goes down paradise, it, it's done, but it's not the one man show. Like I think of Clyde and, you know, and Blake Carr. That's a really good point. It's it's just, that's it. Whereas, you know, they do have complimentary players and the Cater's got those complimentary players. And I think Springtown is even developing those complimentary players, which is why that reasonable doubt has now kicked in that. Is it going to be Brownwood necessarily? I don't know, but Springtown defensively doesn't, you know, necessarily turn the page either spring. Uh, uh, Stevenville's got a little bit of a defensive presence and they got that country tough defensive line build up there. Springtown still, again, I, I can't get that image out of my head of them just getting torched by Brock in, in the scrimmage. But again, they've gotten better defensively. They held Waco Conley, who has three D1 guys on their on their offense to 19 points. They lost to Decatur, but they held them to 23 points. They started off the year terrible. That Brock scrimmage, that Brock scrimmage was so bad. I I have never heard so many people messaging me, emailing me, texting me after that. You coaches, Brock coaches. Everybody's just like, dude, Springtown's bad again. You know, last year they were bad. They only got in the playoffs because they were in a bad district. And everybody's like, man, Springtown's bad again. And then they started the season off getting thumped by Alvarado and Graham. But from that moment on, they have played really good football. And I do think that they're just I, – I, I, I think if it's Decatur-Springtown rematch, I'm not 100% that Decatur is going to just roll through that one. I think that's going to be one of those rematches that's going to be a fun one to watch. And it, just like the district game, I think it's going to be one possession. All right, let's go to Region 2 to finish things up. Stephenville, 9-2. and two. Dallas Carter, 8-3, 730. Friday, Waxahachie's Lumpkin Stadium. I was so ready – after last week, before the first round game finished, I was so ready to talk and be all excited about how I felt Sulphur Springs might be able to pull the upset off of Stephenville in the second round. And Dallas Carter said, wait, not so fast. The Cowboys get the win. I got to watch some of that very fun game, very entertaining. Unfortunately, though, I don't think they match up well with Stephenville, and I think their season's going to end, but I don't think it's going to be you know, 50 to six or anything like that. I think the Cowboys can, I think they're starting to believe in themselves first off. And I also think they're good enough to at least hang around. And Stephenville is great, but Stephenville ain't beating everybody 70 to nothing or anything. They're not. And, and Carter is one of these teams that if you look at their schedule this year and you look at the kind of their game flow, they get psyched out. You talked yes. about mental belief and, and whatnot. And I'm, I'm afraid that for them, that Stephenville, just the name Stephenville, they've already given them 14 points. Like they don't have the belief in that. Uh, you look at that Houston Yates game. And I mean, 
oh man, Carter is the team and, and they're looking good, but then they play Salina and Salina just ran up and, and did what they wanted to against them. And that's the, the kind of game plan. I feel like Stephenville is going to get against them. Now, if Carter can give us the Carter that has played their top tier football and they've, they've had it a couple of games. I think Kimball, I think uh, Houston Yates, they can go for 48 minutes and, and beat Stephenville. If you get that version of Carter, I just haven't seen it against the good teams yet. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Now, I will say this, and I remember this all the way back in 1988 when Freddie James, the, the, the legend at Carter, uh, the week, because they had just beat Marshall, or they, they'd beat Marshall two weeks before in that great game, and they were playing Odessa Permian. And somebody said, you know, you're worried about your kids being intimidated because it's Permian. And, and Freddie was like, yeah, our kids have no clue who Permian is. I, I, I You know, Dallas Carter, I, I don't think they're, 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 they've got a bunch of kids that have a bunch of Dave Campbell's football. That's that big school, that's that big school, small school thing that we talk about. Small school teams get to Dallas, Dave Campbell's. They can tell you who's the top 10 teams in their state and in their region and their class. I don't think that always happens in the bigger schools. So I don't know if Carter's intimidated. I do agree with you, though. It all depends on how they start. If they start great, they're in the game. If they don't, they're more than happy to be like, all right, we're done. Let's, let's just end it right now. Couldn't agree with you more, uh, but Carter has had a good year this year in beating Sulphur Springs the way they did. But again, I, I'm, I'm just going back and forth about, you know, I feel like Anna is kind of the center of all of this because, you know, we, we looked at Anna and how they played Sulphur Springs and how they played uh, Paris. And we started to be like, okay, you know, maybe uh, we started to put our hopes on Paris and, and Sulphur Springs for having figured things out. I'm starting to wonder if Anna has not figured it out. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like they're a little bit broken in, in that game against Wilmer Hutchins, uh, three, nothing until late fourth quarter man, like something has happened with Anna, you know, like they're broken. You know, that's the only way I can put it because the last three weeks, because you have the one-offs. We talked about Mildred and Bells and I'm yeah. like, something happened there. I don't like that, but it's just a one-off kind of a thing. Now we've got a sample size of three straight with Anna, uh, where you just look at what you expected and it's just not at all what you expected. And so now I'm starting to think, well, Sulphur Springs, maybe that shine dropped a little bit. We saw Paris just get rolled by Salina. Uh, and it kind of, I mean, that was a game you're kind of hyping as the potential upset. Yeah, pick. I did. Like I, I was Stephen very Bill impressed Carter with and... Salina. Yeah. I, I picked Paris last week and Salina not literally almost beat them by the exact same score as they beat them at the beginning of the year. I will say this though, again, last week, Thursday, uh, I I didn't see any highlights, but Grant did, and he said it was a absolute weather game. Like, and it, neither team could do anything. I am impressed that they, if they would have won forty-two to forty, I'd be more worried. Them them getting a shutout, and their offense has struggled over the last few weeks, but their defense has not. Their defense has played great ever since that Salina game when they gave up forty-two. Uh, they've given up 27, 0, 26, 20, 16, and 0. So I think that defense has gotten, uh, has played well. I also think they're about to get their perfect medicine because China Springs defense is not good, period. In a discussion, they're not a good defense. You can tell me who they've played. Awesome. When you give up over 50 points to Waxahachie Life, that, that negates anything else. I actually have Anna winning this game. 
And this, this is a game I keep going back and forth on because I, I think Anna's broken. I know China Spring is broken. I was like, I think Anna's broken, but I know China Spring is broken. And we talked about some of the factors about just them being worn down over yeah. these, these long playoff runs. But at the end of the day, they still got the heart of the champion. If Anna was not mostly broken, I think I would pick Anna to pull the upset in my head. When you beat a champion, uh, a multiple-time champion, that is an upset regardless of uh, what you kind of think going into the season. I think China Spring, I don't think China Spring is getting out of this region. I do think they get out of this game. And I do think no matter what, this is a great game. And you you bring up a great point. Yeah, they're wore down, but Cash McCollum, I mean, he is looking, this dude is looking to play in, in his third straight state championship game. Um, and, and, you know, because people forget he lost his Wimberley in his sophomore year, won last year with his junior year, and he's back this year. And, and that kid and Kyle Barton on offense and that offensive line, but, man, that defense, it's just, I, I, I was impressed for a moment when they held Stephenville to 21, but then I remember you know, this isn't Stephenville offense that we've gotten used to. This isn't Stephenville's offense that won state a couple of years ago. They're they're very physical on defense, and that's where they win. Tate Marzuka is a great running back. The offensive line is a little bit uneven. The quarterback plays a little bit uneven. They don't really have a lot of wide receivers that like they did a couple of years ago with Eakin and that group. Um, and, and so I I don't think holding them to twenty one was that big of a deal. I just something just tells me that Anna's offense, and maybe they're hurt, and, and we've tried to figure it out. We haven't got any answers. Maybe there's some key injuries, but if, if Anna's fully healthy on offense, I think it's a shootout. I, I just feel like this it, all champions get beat eventually. And usually a team like China Spring or Carthage, they don't get beat in the state championship game. They get beat in their region when you're least expecting it. And that's partly what I'm going on with this one. It, they're all fair points. And I think Carthage, you know, last year it should have been Glenn Rose. that got him, and it, oh, it couldn't God. finish it there uh, at the end of the day. But, and, and Anna has been, you know, I, Anna got prop, propped up by Dave Campbell. So, you know, they, you know, like kind of like Melissa did as we, we are the, the next big thing. And then Salina kind of, even though Salina was not better in that game, they won that game, yes. even though it was, I, I like it was the way the you overtime. described that. I like the way you described that right there. That's how that works sometimes in close games. The better team does not always win. Uh, it, absolutely not. But at the same time, you get the, the, the disparity in these two teams. You know, like I said, Anna just partially broken. China Spring, defense, no defense, but the heart of a champion. It is going to be a, a, a fights make uh, styles make fights, and you're going to have a fun game here. I think the higher this point spread goes, uh, the more likely Anna is going to win. Uh, and I know Good that point. sounds almost in, incongruous to kind of the 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 the, the, the insight into that, but I think. If, if this game stays in the thirties, I like trying to spring to win it. If we're getting, if we're getting up in the fifties and sixties, like the, the walks the hatchy life scores and whatnot, I think that's where Anna, if Anna's able to produce that level of output, they're going to win the game. That, that's a really good point because if, if the, the higher the score that goes, uh, Anna's defense just needs to make a stop at that point, just one right. stop. And it totally great. Here's the great thing about this region. We just talked 15 minutes on Stephenville, Carter, Anna, China spring, and you might have the juiciest two games right in the middle. Alvareda seven and four. You never know which team you're going to get with them versus Salina, who that Panther Creek game still a head scratcher, but it, you know they they bounce back against Paris. Uh, this game is Friday at Fort Worth Ranger Stadium, and this is another style on style, which is so funny because for. 30 years, Alvarado was like Salina and grinded it out. Now they're going to throw it all over the place. Their defense at times is terrible. 
I think this is going to be closer than what people think, but I think Salina eventually grinds them down. Now, I know, I know you were big on Paris last week. This game actually reminds me of, you know, it's like we could just do a little bit of editing and, and, and put Dub over Alvarado over Paris and, <laughs> and, and talk about it. And that's how I think this game is going to go as far as I think Alvarado is going to give Salina everything. I think this is a potential upset sort of a game. I'm going to take Salina by a score, but Alvarado is going to, this is not going to be the Paris score that, you know, where they came out and, and, and took care of Paris. This is going to be that one score back and forth game. And the game I know absolutely like, like I feel like as much insight as I have into high school football, as many games as I've watched, I feel like I know nothing about high school football. When I look at this Panther Creek La Vega game, because you, you could, you could sell me on La Vega winning by three scores. You could sell me on Panther Creek winning by three scores. You could sell me on a, you know, a last minute field goal. I don't know what to make of this game. Here's the thing that if I'm in this region, and this is going to sound so funny, and we've talked about it all year, La Vega's all of a sudden playing defense again. And that's scary because their offense is still scoring. This was the most opposite year I've ever seen in, in the years that I've covered La Vega. Because when you think of La Vega, you think of athleticism, speed, size, great defense, an offense that can grind you down, hit you with some big running plays, but maybe throw 10 times. Now they're the, the, they're the exact opposite. Their defense struggled all year. They gave up 48. They gave up uh, 29. They gave up 52. Uh, but then all of a sudden, they beat Alvarado 49 to 28. And then they lost to Stephenville, but it was only 23 to 14. If this defense continues to, to mature and get better, I kind of feel like we might be, th this might be one of those years where this star studded region. And it's a La Vega that comes out walking at the end of the day. And they're the one playing in the state semifinal. I have them beating Panther Creek. I still don't trust Panther Creek. I know that's not fair. I just new programs are so hard to get a, a read on when it comes to the playoffs because playoff experience matters. And, and yeah, sometimes you'll get a new school like a shadow Creek and all them that'll run through, but usually it's because they're out depthing everybody by a hundred to 200 students. Panther Creek ain't quite that big yet. Um, I, I think this is a great game, but I just think La Vega, man, they, they just, everything just starts to feel like it's starting to click for them. I cannot get past, you know, we, we, I, I've given multiple examples of games. I can't get past. And one of the games I can't get past is Pinkston versus Panther Creek. Yes. Defensively <laughs> Pinkston just shut them down. You know, it, it's like it's the first time they play really good defenses, this really nice Lamborghini offense really gets constricted and they have to struggle. And now you got La Vega who right now and with the eight teams that are left is playing the best defense, even though their offense can be questionable at times. Defense is going to win you this game. And I, I tend to agree with you. I think La Vega, when, when I think about that Pinkston game, I mean, the Salina game was back and forth. Was it an interception? Was it not? People can have their opinions on it, uh, but they, they got to be able to score 40 against La Vega if they're going to be able to win that game. And you're, you're telling me right now, if somebody's telling me right now that Panthers Creek is going to score 40 against La Vega, it ain't happening. So they're going to have to play a game like Pinkston. And La Vega is just a, a much better degree higher of a caliber of football team than Pinkston is. So to that end, I like La Vega as well. Two. 
Before we finish, I want your insight as the guru of all things small school. You got to explain Region Three to me because I don't keep up with Region Three at all. I know it's get a little bit of East Texas in there with Chapel Hill and Lindale and Kilgore, but from what I'm seeing, every single game in Region Three is a one-score game. And in my opinion, the the team that's going to win Region One, Region Two is going to have to finish out whoever's in Region Three to win the state championship. So give me your insight, Terry. I need to know a little bit about Region Three, and I think our North Texas listeners need to hear this because if you're wondering who's going to who you're going to play in the state championship, you're about to name a team that's probably going to be it. Uh, yes and no. I, I still think Bernie in Region Four is going to win out of the. Well, I say that depends. If it's Kilgore, I don't know. Kilgore to me is by far the best team in the region. Um, what they've done this year is, you know, you, when you think of Kilgore, play defense, run the ball, play defense, run the ball do a little boot action every once in a while. They can now go over the top. They've got speed at wide receiver. they got a quarterback that can get them the ball. That's how they beat Chapel Hill. Chapel Hill actually held Kilgore's run game to, a pre, I think it was like 142 yards, and Kilgore's averaging like 300 yards on the ground, but they were able to go over the top. Uh, Bay City, their opponent, really fun team. Alec uh, Estrada, quarterback, they have a really good running back. Um, Robert Jones, the head coach, talking a little trash. That's been kind of making Twitter where he was claiming that their district is the district of doom and not Kilgore's. I, I think he has a point inside the district, but uh, the reason that Bay City and Needville and El Campo and Iowa Colony all won is because they played the Houston ISD uh, schools in the first round. They all won last year, too. That, that's that You've got to remember that. Um so I think Bay City can give Kilgore a game, and Kilgore tends to have a couple tough games in this region in the second and third rounds. Uh, a couple years ago, it was Huffman Hargrave that took them to the map before they finally beat them like 32 to 24, something like that. We were at that game. Last year, I can't remember who it was, gave them a pretty tough game, but they ended up winning. Um, El Campo won't beat Chapel Hill unless Chapel Hill decides to play turnover football, and Chapel Hill can do that. That's why when Chapel Hill loses, they turn the ball over, but – Travis Reeve, new head coach there, former Quero coach. It's taken him a while to get El Campo throwing the ball, and so they're a couple years away. Um, Lumberton, Needville is going to be the most exciting game. Lumberton can throw, Needville can run, but Needville can't play defense. And so at the end of the day, it's going to be one of those, I think, 44 to 40 games or 44 to 35. Uh, Lumberton's Lucas Powell's a really good running back. I mean, really good quarterback, and they have some really good wide receivers. The game that interests me the most in this round Iowa Colony, 11-0 versus Lindell, 7-4. Iowa Colony has become, they're the team that everybody, including us, sometimes on sideline to sideline, but especially like Dave Campbell, they they are just the, oh, my God, they're a 5A team playing in 4A because of how realignment, and they are, and they might even be 5A Division I. I think they're going to be firmly in the middle of 5A Division II, but they don't stand out. They outdepth you. They've got a solid quarterback. They've got a good solid. Everything, like we talked about Springtown, everything is solid about them, but nothing stands out. Lindell has absolutely played a hellacious schedule. Came out of it in competitive in most of those games. Uh, Clint Thurman, their quarterback, they, they now at times will just basically run quarterback dives and like against Chapel Hill, he gained 300 yards. They have an offensive line that's young, except for Casey Poe, who will play NFL one day. This kid is a an absolute beast of an offensive lineman. Their defense is, eh, you know, but again, look at who they've played. So right now, I have it picked Kilgore and Iowa Colony in the region championship, but I think legitimately Kilgore, Chapel Hill, Iowa Colony, Lindell all have valid chances, and I think Lumberton has a quarterback slinging it type of chance 
to, to pull an upset off too. But yeah, th- you're right. This region, there's not a bad game this region. Well, I say that Chapel Hill or El Campo can get out of hand, but El Campo is a solid team. But yeah, but I do think at the end of the day, you still got Bernie in region four. And I, I'm not sold on, I'm just going to say this, but not knowing, not doing the research you do, uh, but just kind of looking at the big picture and, and seeing the collapse against China Spring last year. I don't know if Bernie is ready for uh, prime time, but we'll find out. I, as, as we get closer, I start to check out Region 3 and Region 4. That's why I wanted to, it's part of my research. I'm going to pick your brain uh, publicly uh, on Region 3 because I know you follow that and uh all make excellent points and i was educated so, so thank you very much so let me ask you this though you bring up a good point about that uh that chapel hill game. i mean that china spring game and, and and i'm not talking about the mental side because we don't know how some programs they bounce back other programs like i go back to baseball uh, the, i i said this the very night game seven finished in 2011 the way the rangers collapsed that team was broken forevermore they should have not necessarily stripped it completely down, but when you collapse like that, it is so hard to, with that same core, come back. And they basically, now they Brandon Bays, they lost, and Houston Hendricks, they lost, and Sam Walters, three really good players, but they returned a good core of that team. But I want to, do you, do you focus on that fourth quarter when China Spring made the comeback, or do you focus on the three quarters before when Bernie absolutely dominated on the physical side, on the offensive line, and the defensive line for three quarters against the defending, not well, technically not defending because they had moved into division, but you know what I mean, defending right. state champ. What is, I mean, for the end of the game, of course, China Spring coming back is the most important because they won state, but just as far as how good Bernie was, I still go back to those three quarters. And if they can mentally, if they've shaken that off and it looks like they have, I think they're going to be great. Now, their issue has been injuries they're starting a freshman quarterback but the son of a gun has turned out to be really really good so they haven't really missed him i mean they haven't really i'm not gonna say they haven't missed jackson bays jackson bays a special kid but i'm just saying they haven't missed a beat i'm like you if if it's a mental thing there's some concern if they have shaken that off i i don't know if anybody comes within a a a touchdown or two touchdowns of bernie And, and if china spring doesn't make it is it like Toller where like they're, oh, damn it, we really wanted to play them? Or are they more like, hey, you know what? That's okay. We don't need to play them. We don't want to relive last year. So it, a lot of it, I think, depends on what China Spring does. Absolutely. But I think Bernie is going to get pushed this week by Laverne. I'm just, just, just a little bit of a gut feeling what people are telling me around, you know, the, the state and what I'm hearing when I'm checking out the, the, the broader state context and People in Bernie are not feeling like this is a, this is an inevitable team. I feel like people in Ch- Tyler are feeling more uh, like that about Chapel Hill, even though they are not the, a shell of their team from their expectations, more than what I'm hearing about Bernie. Now, that's just around the, the scuttlebutt. And, and again, I'm not watching the footage of, of Region 3 and Region 4 quite yet. We haven't not dove into it, it to that level. But, man, I think Bernie is, is a little bit psychologically broken, as you said, and I don't even know. I I would be surprised if they make it back to AT and T. That's all I'm gonna say about that. I, I I you know if they had come out this year, and if there had been some games where like you know like and some people say well they lost the Flower Bluff game, yeah let's remember Flower Bluff is is five A Division one and that was a two hundred degree day, and I talked to multiple coaches that won and lost on that first week that told me. Uh, well, hey, I, if I, I I can't find the stat, but I, I do remember reading. I don't know if it was on Dave Campbell's Twitter or somebody else that this year 
the in the first two weeks of the season, the upper class team beat the lower class team more than it had in like 25 years. And I attribute that to the heat. And I talked to coaches that were like, yeah, you know, we we probably could have won a game, but I didn't want my, you know, I didn't want my center. I mean, my defensive line getting, you know, 80 snaps in the first game of the year anyway, but also with it being 153 degrees. Other than that game, though, they haven't really been tested. I mean, they've dominated. Now, the Taylor game last week was slow, but again, weather game. It was on Thursday. The weather was getting really bad there. I don't disagree with you, though, that they'll be tested. Lavernia is a really good team. They did have the weird two losses to Sinton and Port Lavaca Calhoun in back-to-back weeks uh, right before district play or right yeah, right before right before and the first week of district. Uh, part of that was they had some injuries at the time, if I remember correctly. I think they're really good, quick wide receiver. Colton Schmidt was out, and I think Luke Campbell, one of their good linemen, were, were out, or he was at least banged up. They've looked really good, and they've played a solid, solid Region 4 schedule. I just, at the end of the day, I, and, until Bernie gets beat, I just still think Bernie – but I do agree with you as long as that mental thing isn't there. And if they, when they play the Region 3 winner, whoever comes out of that, it's going to be a battle because it was a battle last year. Let's not forget, man, Chapel Hill at times was, uh, or, you know, at, well, I say at times. It, it, the score ended up being a lot worse than it really was. Uh, and, and Chapel Hill had some things mentally. They were, uh, their bus broke down. And, and I, I think Chapel Hill let that kind of stuff bother them, if that makes sense. I don't know. Chapel Hill's. I don't think Chapel is good as this as good this year as they were last year. We're talking about good. Who was good last year and who was good this year? Right. But I remember just two years ago, all the, the freshmen that were playing in, in that game against Stephenville that I got to watch with my own eyes uh, at, at the Star. They're, they're getting to that point where yes. I think Chapel Hill might have a, a second gear we haven't seen yet. Whereas you have an Iowa colony, obviously no playoff experience, new school and Kilgore. I mean, Kilgore is Kilgore. I mean, so to me, I think all roads are going to go through Kilgore. And even though Kilgore, you know, we're talking about East Texas, that's why I wanted to bring it on to, up, up on our North Texas show. Kilgore against any of these teams we've been talking about in 4A Region 1 or Region 2, to me, is a fantastic game, and it's going to have the star power that I'm looking for. Yeah, and I agree. And if if it's Kilgore and Bernie in that region semifinal before then, Kilgore absolutely can beat Bernie. That's not a – as high as I am on Bernie, I'm just as high as on on Kilgore. Kilgore has impressed me. Let's not forget as we finish this, they took Carthage to the mat in week one. 30 to 27, yep. they lost. And that wasn't a, oh, Carthage jumped out 30 to 7. And no, that was a back and forth game. Kilgore led in the fourth quarter. Carthage had to go on a, I think it was a 10 play drive uh, in the fourth quarter to seal that game. So people forget about that. A long time ago, and I know teams have changed. Kilgore's only gotten better since then. Here at L4 Media, we talk high school football, 4A, 3A, and 2A in Texas. We talk East Texas sports. We talk NFL, guy talk, movie, and booze. We also talk wrestling and so much more. And you can see it all on our YouTube channel at L4 Media Company. Like and subscribe. So, yeah, we ended up going a little bit further than just North Texas in the last part of the show, but that's why I like doing a show with Matt Diggs. You never know where that show is going to take you. (coughs) Uh, Programming note, the show will be recorded the same time. It'll go up on Thanksgiving morning next week. Uh, So make sure, of course, I'll social blast it on our media pages at L4 Media, uh, at at Grant and Terry. Those are our uh, our two Twitter pages. On Facebook, just type in Sideline to Sideline or L4 Media. Those are our two Facebook pages. 
Maybe in case you didn't know that, and I'll put it up on the websites that we normally do. We'll do all that, but just to let you know, it will come out, and it will come out around the same time on Thursday morning. So after this week, we will almost be at the halfway point of the playoffs. We're about, as I record this right now, we're a month away from state championship. And that's what, the, that's where to me, uh, the first three weeks of the playoffs go by pretty fast, kind of like how the regular season does. But then the last four weeks, when you get lesser and lesser teams, yet somehow it just, it, it seems to, to take longer. And I love that. I love that part of the, the, the playoffs. I do apologize for my voice. It's still, I'm still getting over sickness. Actually, I'm trying to fight off a sneeze right now. Uh, but hopefully by next week, I'll be back at it 100%. If you're going to games this weekend, hey, travel safe. Hope your team wins. Even if they don't, let's meet back next week and talk about it right here on the Power Plus Mouth Guard, Granny's Bakeries, North Texas Regional Football Show on S2S, part of L4 Media.